Section four of Unprofessional Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Unprofessional Tales by Norman Douglas. Narinda, Part One. During the winter months of eighteen ninety seven to eighteen ninety eight, Lady Bertha S. studied the Times as well as her own local scottish paper with more than usual assiduity it was not that she took a particular interest in the discussions of the house of commons indeed since her husband's death two years ago she took little interest in anything connected with politics but she was anxious concerning the fate of her only brother who was engaged at that time in fighting the afridis on the afghan frontier captain donald c was his sister's junior by a few years they had spent all the years of their childhood and youth together and she learned to look up to him as the ideal of all that is honourable and true often in her girlish fancies she had compared him with those knights of old he was so chivalrous quixotic even so devoid of all egotism and brutality and a man of intelligence too a man of culture and heart a lover of refinement a scholar his unwearied studies indeed had told severely upon his health on more than one occasion she often wondered what strange freak had led him to join a profession that accorded so ill with his tastes and habits she longed for the close of the war every morning as she read the paper she dreaded lest she should find his name amongst the list of the fallen and even so it fell out her eyes encountered one february morning a cold-worded telegram announcing his death he had apparently perished in one of the numerous rear-guard actions the disgrace of the campaign when the enemy aimed securely in the twilight from behind rocks at the retreating british troops that ought to have been in camp two hours ago lady bertha was calm by nature and had been trained in the hard school of suffering and yet what a blow and in due course a melancholy parcel of papers arrived captain c was one of those singular beings who from sheer laziness or from some dark religious motives can hardly bring themselves to destroy anything they have ever written or received in writing under such circumstances it is not surprising that the parcel should contain an enormous amount of correspondence and papers of all kinds nor did it astonish lady bertha that she should have been selected by her brother as the one person fit to be entrusted with the task of sifting all this mass with the task of sifting all this mass in the event of his death knowing as she did that he was passionately attached to her and possessed implicit confidence in her judgment for a day or two she left them untouched then one cloudy afternoon she opened the parcel with a feeling of dutiful reverence and immediately there dropped out of it by one of those curious chances call them what you will that guide our destinies a certain old packet of papers a fragmentary kind of diary as it proved a diary of a foreign tour that captain c had been obliged to undertake for the benefit of his health with his sister bertha several years before her marriage ah she exclaimed involuntarily as her glance alighted upon it but as she continued to read her brow contracted and her pure features assumed a new and pained expression capri march twenty it was a homeric day the atmosphere trembled with love and light how happy i would be if i could divest myself of that feeling of loneliness capri march twenty one we spent the afternoon on the summit of our favorite hill a magic spot where the spirits of sky and ocean still deign to hold communion with a favored few the view at our feet is assuredly one of the most impressive in creation an ancient world lies spread out in rare beauty of color and outline and every inch of its ground is fraught with associations here surely on the gentle shores of the mediterranean true beauty resides with its harmony of form and color 
the works of man in these regions stand out in just proportion to those of nature each supplements the other elsewhere she is apt to be hostile to him she comes either gloomy or monstrous at the pole mankind struggles with the elements and grows into a hero the light fails vegetation refuses her aid he invokes the pale sun as a beneficent goddess in the tropics his works shrink into insignificance he is crushed by the vegetation devoured by the sun whom he execrates as a fierce demon nature triumphs and man dwindles into a stoic here surely on the gentle shores of the mediterranean one might be happy capri march twenty three bertha does her utmost to cheer me up may she have her reward the soul of goodness dwells in her but shall i be always alone an inward voice says no capri march twenty four far away in the blue distance across the incomparable gulf a promontory lies faintly shining it is where lucullus the temperate wanderer retired to meditate and where is now his civilization nothing but ruins doubtless he similarly thought upon the remains of old hellenic culture that met his eye in every direction and wondered when the time would come for his own to decay and perish for he was not a man to cherish illusions on that score it is only we who imagine that our state of things will last for ever because we do not give ourselves the necessary leisure to reflect that time has now come and what would be his impressions on revisiting these scenes would he bow the knee to our ideal of beauty would he be eager to adopt our mode of life our gods our aspirations i doubt it and tiberius the dragon of capri whose breath still infects the island surely he cherished as few illusions as the other for his was a yet more plastic mind though ruler of the earth he was not blinded by his splendor the arch-deceiver remained undeceived he could read the signs of the times he knew that his world was even then crumbling to ashes tiberius was an essentially modern type no wonder that a man of his temper and capacities should have been misunderstood and misinterpreted in an age of ignorant bigotry he was modern even in his failings he suffered in his old age from a vice an inhuman lust of cruelty that some of us moderns can understand and would even imitate but for the fear of a law that had no terrors for tiberius nowadays we would call him a neuropath there is a stage when nothing short of the spectacle of tortures and rivers of red blood will prick the jaded appetite i think i can understand a certain pleasurable emotion arising out of the sight while we lingered darkness came on with mysterious rapidity the sun had set but the sky at first still glowed with opalescent streaks of light that shone like flying meteors strayed from their path suddenly they vanished and there was a great stillness the landscape at our feet floated in an ocean of liquid pearl then a purple veil fell over all things the evening star glittered overhead capri march twenty five this is what i wrote out for bertha a kind of day-dream for i still doze a good deal in the afternoons when the whole island was covered with luxurious plantations and cool marble-paved courts tiberius the man-demon could be seen slowly pacing its terraces or borne in cunningly wrought litter from one to the other of his pleasure-houses he has arrested the bearers at a favorite spot and has stepped out in order to breathe the fresh sea air he looks about him an argosy from egypt comes wafted through the straits laden with corn for putioli and other merchandise the remotest valleys of the east have been ransacked to produce perfumes and oils for the curled locks of roman beauties and many a laughter-provoking milesian fable is breathed westwards on the lips of the greek sailors it has entered the bay and an angry line contracts the old man's brow when thinks he 
shall i set my foot once more upon italian soil the attendants are dismissed with a petulant gesture and he walks towards the sunlit theatre leaning on the arm of a slave and regretting the lost vigour of youth once seated in his ivory chair an irresistible drowsiness overcomes him sleepless nights have been his portion for many months a silken couch has no attractions for one who dreads death at every hour and in every shape he loathes his self-imposed solitude and the animated theatre alone invites to repose the scene with its corinthian dancing girls its pillars of phrygian marble its background of leafy garden and blue sea is fast fading before his eyes the soft tones of the flutes sound strangely distant tiberius reigns in another world the imperial purple trails on the ground and those restless lids are now half closed a bunch of fragrant daffodils the morning's offering of fair theano is tightly clutched in his withered hand a sardonic smile hovers about his mouth he is dreaming of sejanus i wrote no more but the strangest part of the dream followed for tiberius spoke to me he said plainly it will come to what to whom did he refer to myself so be it capri march twenty seven headache the usual punishment for feeling too well i am glad raymond did not accompany us to this country he is somewhat too boisterous and matter-of-fact capri march twenty eight for ten months i have been forbidden to read books or even newspapers an intolerable restriction that is why i have only to-day accidentally heard that the meteoric genius of maupassant has sunk into the black night of madness and just at the time when it gave promise of new and milder beauties his works illustrate the difference between form and formalism alas that fatal search after new sensations the too frequent concomitant of the artistic mind and nietzsche smitten only the other day by the same fate the lightning says herodotus strikes the tallest trees a curious coincidence the german and french madman each conceived a being who should supersede mankind each of these conceptions is characteristic of its respective nation the teuton ubermensch as philosophy a nugget of gold the celtic horla as art a priceless pearl capri march twenty nine tomorrow we return to our old quarters at sorrento last night we hired a boat and paid a torchlight visit to our grotto the effect of the illumination was fairy-like quick and tall shadows trembled on the moist roof as though troops of scared sea-ghosts were flitting dismally into the night here and there gleamed fiery eyes a pungent smell of sea-rack filled the vault and the restless waves could be heard as they caressed the dripping walls far away in the recesses it sounded like the heavy breathing of some monster of the deep a sailor sang us one of his neapolitan songs they are the pure expression of joy of life a natural product of human life on this divine coast even as italian music in general that soulless cult of rhythm the child's love of repeating musical sounds over and over again reflects the character of the nation as a whole bertha said i think she must have been quoting where words cease music begins i said and where music ceases kissing begins while we listened there rose up from the sea another sound that certainly spoke not of love of life its weird tones could be construed into no clear expression of human sentiment it only recalled a sense of hopeless yearning it was one of those primeval chants of mankind whose sphinx-like melodies still linger on this coast and defy the musician's art to record them the long-drawn notes spoke of submission to a dark fate they sounded ominous to my ears capri march thirty we have delayed a day bertha asks me a propos des beautés what objection i have to the religion of these people 
i told her that it offends me at every turn that it is a permanent source of irritation to me on account of its ugliness and cruelty that idea of eternal suffering sorrento tuesday this is evidently a feast day of some kind these people if you believe them are always on the brink of starvation yet they find time for two or three feast days every week they are letting off the fireworks in broad daylight they cannot wait until it is evening just like children sorrento april seven day after day i sit under this ilex once more a calm begins to grow up around me but it is a calm a hush that can be felt i suppose they were right in saying that my nerves were overstrung indeed i can well believe it for my intelligence seems to have become completely apathetic and numbed as regards certain things in other matters i am hypersensitive and one of them is precisely this calm that can be felt i am overcome with loneliness with the feeling of an unutterable solitude that surrounds me you are having a good rest cheer up old fellow says bertha i nod and smile rest for the body yes but rest for the spirit it has become a nightmare a positive oppression it is not distrust of others or disgust of life but simply the result of dispassionate reasoning thus whatever i do i shall never be able to make myself completely understood by my friends friends the very word is a mockery they listen to what i say they sympathize they try to understand and then i turn away and leave them feeling that with my confidences i have given away the most precious part of myself then follows regret and self-humiliation surely surely others have felt the same i feel that it is all in vain that i am alone that a gulf yes a gulf yawns between me and all human creatures shall i explain once more to bertha no it only pains her and affords me no relief and if she cannot understand who can let be one way or another something must happen soon sorrento saturday another glorious day i am always up betimes are there any moments more divine than those of earliest morning when something of the mystery of night and of its moist caresses still clings to nature afterwards this gossamer enchantment is rent asunder by the sounds and glaring light of day the breeze has not sprung up yet and i can see the grey olive branches glittering steadily as though carved in silver against the sea's unruffled surface of pale turquoise the sea has an inexplicable attraction for me ever since i was a child i have longed to be a diver and to explore those mystery peopled lands under the green roof of water i never look at its glassy depths without feeling a yearning to plunge in who knows what lovely beings may inhabit the twilight caverns of the deep and then those grey pink tufa crags and the white limestone with its tender mauve reflexes how much could be enjoyed in this world if if one were not always hopelessly alone i know that the severer beauty of rome the tender gleams of her golden light and the unspeakable melancholy of the campagna is more congenial to bertha's nature the beauty of sorrento is too palpitating vital and sensual one longs to grasp it to absorb it within oneself to drain it as one drains a cup of wine here i sit every morning and enjoy a spell of sunshine and brief repose repose for my nights are still restless and when i rise in the morning it is as if i came out of a battlefield reading is still forbidden and bertha is stern although i am yearning to unpack my books here i sit and try to construct within myself another and a better world why not but that i suppose is why raymond whenever he wished to irritate me used to say you are not a real scholar you know you are only a vague sentimental enthusiast there is i hope some sentiment in my composition but no sentimentality what can you expect from him 
these athletic people may be happy but they are not always amiable my ilex and the olives in this garden alone preserve their primitive shapes the olives indeed seem to enjoy a particular veneration as an oedipus on colonus all the other plants are cropped pruned tortured and mutilated out of all semblance of their former shape why do the italians love to mutilate everything their childlike or rather childish temperament derives pleasure no doubt from exercising its authority upon living things how have they become so degenerate in every respect ages of oppression misrule and slavery i imagine have crushed every better feeling out of them brutalized their instincts perverted their taste vulgarized their whole conception of life where are those pioneers of free thought who woke their slumbering country from her dream of monkish deceits men who weighed the earth and counted the stars who peered into worlds unknown exploring a drop of water as if it were an ocean who enticed the electric spark out of the reluctant ore where is the spirit that animated them in the municipio where are those artists and philosophers that once shed the light of beauty and wisdom over the whole world the artists of modern italy are her statesmen whose ingenuity in designing new taxes amounts to nothing short of genius and her philosophers are the starving peasants who have to pay them the best energies and aspirations of a free country are consumed in narrow political strife italy is the reductio ad absurdum of parliamentary government a land of lawyers and assassins bertha always says i am unjust towards the italians she says i must try not to get fixed ideas into my head fixed ideas sorrento april ten it is positively incredible if i had not seen it with my own eyes in the entrance of this house are two rows of artificial paper flowers resembling red camellias this is bad taste anywhere but especially in a land where so many lovely live plants can be obtained i always hoped the porter would remove this eyesore imagine then my surprise when i saw him this morning can in hand busily watering these pots i went up and examined them closely the artificial flowers have been fixed by means of wires into the branches of a living plant shades of raphael dante and michelangelo such things can only be witnessed in italia liberata i fetched bertha she was equally horrified she could hardly believe her eyes and then she thought i took it too seriously and began to palliate their crimes but i told her that people who do such things are capable also of murdering their own fathers she said that did not follow in fact i am afraid i got into a regular state one of those states that are so bad for me the buzzing in my head began again then bertha was frightened and began to agree with me simply as i could see in order to humor me after a while she said you must admit donald that they have their good qualities like all other nations perhaps they have i replied calmly i am always open to conviction to what do you refer they understand the art of making mayonnaise sauce ha ha excellent this anticlimax had the desired effect afterwards i became more reasonable and thought a good deal about the italians and their strong points that is the worst feature of my temperament whenever an inquiry is started my subordinate consciousness broods over it for days and weeks and i have discovered another good quality they can build first-class roads in fact they know how to deal with rocks and rivers and to make them subservient to purposes of human intercourse i suppose this is a legacy from the romans if they had only inherited a little more the sense of justice for instance the vilest murders go unpunished in this country wherein lies the attraction which murders and they alone possess for the human imagination is it because by their vast complexity and the variety of their motives 
they afford us some means of judging of the range of our own weaknesses and passions that would be the intellectual attraction and the emotional one is clearly this that we feel a kind of relief in contemplating our distance from those depths of misery and depravity where man kills man from hunger envy or simple love of killing yes this simple innate love of killing is a not uncommon motive nor without interest for the psychologist and student of morals inasmuch as it accounts for the origin of many of our social institutions also besides all this it would be strange if we did not feel a natural concern in the extinction of a human life seeing that we must all go that way that something which was what was it where is it now how went it and when that mystery is made to ooze out painfully forcibly deliberately the attraction naturally increases bertha thinks murders quite inexcusable under all circumstances and she added they are not only horrible but stupid i could not help smiling sorrento april eleven headache again what exquisite shade these olives yield and yet not veritable shade but a pearly atmosphere of fairyland sorrento april twelve my eyes never tire of admiring the sublime outlines of vesuvius and what a feast of colour during those minutes when the shades of sunset crawl up his inflamed flanks then the stupendous dome glows in roseate and amethystine lights ever changing it swells and heaves with life the solid mountain dissolves in golden mist it is transformed into a web of cloud you can see through it a rare illusion leopardi's genestra is a sympathetic poem but i can understand bertha when she says that in reading italian poets she cannot dismiss the notion that she is dealing with a race of buffoons there is certainly a deal of mere intellectual gymnastics about their productions as to the divine comedy that monument of bigotry much of its beauty is swallowed up by the detestable sentiments sentiments that are enough to prejudice any feeling mind against the faith which it proclaims i cannot bear the idea of eternal imprisonment the poor prisoners chained up and deprived of love and sunshine what foul outrageous cruelty is enacted between man and man this is one of those subjects which when i think of it makes me shudder with impotent rage who can imagine their hopelessness their sufferings their solitude my own case surrounded as i am by a wall of loneliness indeed every one of us has a citadel his individuality into the inner recesses of which none can penetrate my own case makes me sympathize with their sad lot yes this citadel we pour out our whole heart to a chosen friend he or she listens then suddenly there rises up before our mind's eye a something which says it is useless stop then you look and behold the gulf my private opinion is that dr n suggested my coming to this gay and sunny climate because he imagined i was really suffering from some melancholy delusion about my solitude that shows how little he knows my character if i should ever suffer from any delusion at all it would i hope have some more worthy and disinterested object than mere self sorrento april fourteen they talk of a visitation of the cholera bertha is not alarmed in the least no more am i we must all die at our appointed hour these great waves of destruction have something weirdly fascinating they show the absolute worthlessness of the individual before the tribunal of nature he sets up his own standards of just and unjust what does she care a dreadful plague in london was in the year sixty five which swept a hundred thousand souls away yet i alive we have been keeping pompeii for the last as a sort of bonnet bouche but we cannot restrain our curiosity any longer to-morrow we shall drive there in the cool of the evening 
bertha is looking forward to it almost more than i am she has a truly refined mind and an unfeigned appreciation of what is beautiful sirocco is blowing capri and ischia are veiled in a cap of clouds i feel unhappy and lonely again but must try not to let her notice it april fourteen night i have committed a sin and how angry bertha would be if she knew it the fact is when a temptation becomes too great i simply yield what is the good i say of wrestling with the inevitable at the same time i take full responsibility for all my actions i do not lay the blame on others when i do anything i do not profess to have been guided by any heavenly inspiration in order to impress my actions with the stamp of righteousness read the life of any religious enthusiast church reformer or sectarian and you will understand what i mean it was told me in a dream to do this and that an angel appeared to me and said etc etc i would like immensely to have such dreams so convenient you know they take away all responsibility of course persons whose every action even the most trivial detail of life is ordained by providence such persons cannot go far wrong that i suppose is what makes pious men so pious well then i was seized with an irresistible longing to read something to be again in touch with the minds of others so i simply unpacked a book or two i felt so lonely i must read or die i have been subject to these cravings ever since my birth and i always know beforehand whether i shall yield or resist i generally yield eat and drink said dr n but don't read reading is poison for you those who may read whatever they like can hardly appreciate my impatience at this long separation from my favorite occupation for i am only allowed a little writing not more than half an hour a day what it is to be an invalid so i unpacked a few books i looked into plato's symposium and compared the translations of shelley jowett and schleiermacher they happened to lie together it will probably cost me the whole night's sleep as to shelley he is by far the weakest his version a transcription lacks the completeness the scholarship and the saxon virility of jowett the german comes perhaps first of all his translation has a curious kinship with the original perhaps his language gives him an unfair advantage in what consists plato's peculiar charm why simply in this that with the magic of his language he makes me think i know more than i do he exalts my opinion of myself is this a deliberate use of his genius hardly would it be a legitimate use call him verbose if you like ruskin thinks shelley empty and verbose yes i can well believe that each of us is continually looking for his other half and this desire of union is called love his other half where is mine shall we ever meet is she near at hand or is she separated from me by leagues of sea and continent by ages of time why is there so much unhappiness in this world because alas not every one of us finds his other half this attic fable seems to call an echo from the most secret caverns of my soul bertha often wonders whether i shall ever find my ideal as she calls it i tell her that if my ideal were to appear now it would be none too soon i am lonely that doctrine of elective affinity what an ugly word for so lovely a truth and when one of them finds his other half the pair are lost in an amazement of love and friendship and intimacy and will not be out of one another's sight as i may say even for a moment an amazement of love have i ever been lost in an amazement of love no but i feel that such things may be therefore they may be for me the intense yearning which each of them has towards the other appears to be desire of something of which the soul has only a dark and doubtful presentiment there are no words to describe it 
but the soul divines that which it seeks and traces obscurely the footsteps of its obscure desire the footsteps of its obscure desire weighty words these pompeii april fifteen the drive was delicious it was an idyllic evening cloudless and pure the sun's heat tempered by a gentle tramontana breeze that carried coolness from the still snowy apennines and waked out of shady gardens the fragrance of purple clustered glycinia blossoms the sublime and the vile touch hands in this country men lie sprawling in the gutters and women of forbidding aspect shriek the morning's gossip to each other in hoarse tones across the street such voices continual bawling from the cradle to the grave has made them unlike anything else in the world but poverty wears a smiling aspect the children though numerous do not suggest the overbreeding and underfeeding of many parts of england pompeii is a revelation we have only been a cursory visit of an hour or two bertha is enchanted with the town itself whereas the human element of the place is what appeals most to my imagination the small museum with its well-preserved human remains is a weird spot one could dream of it there are wonderfully intact plaster casts taken from the hollow mould formerly occupied by the actual bodies of those who perished in the catastrophe the process is one of the discoveries of mr fiorelli the principal archaeologist there was one of a young woman with eyes half closed as though in pain it seemed to fascinate bertha by its life-like grace and beauty poor girl she said at last after standing entranced before it chained up in that narrow case who can she have been perhaps the daughter of some patrician hurrying away to escape the awful vengeance of her gods it is revolting she added to expose even her ashes to the gaze of the whole world a truly womanly afterthought i said i thought she looked more like a nymph after returning through the temple of apollo a curious fancy possessed me i took bertha with me along the dusty street as far as the modern church of pompeii heavens what a cult has defaced this globe what tinselly tawdry gloomy structures what a grovelling herd of humanity assuredly these preposterous semitic conceptions this outrage upon the good sense of mankind can only have been imposed upon a world of free men in a moment of supreme weakness like gypsies they have stolen and now claim as their own the fair child of plato and they try to disguise him by disfiguring his figures and bedaubing his skin to resemble their own tawny hide and the superstition such as it is has already degenerated into mere form where are the cathedrals the penances the crusades of earlier days we laugh at the infatuation of our ancestors our cult is a discarded husk a gilded chrysalis lying on the wet ground out of which faith the splendor winged insect has crept to seek a sunnier abode raymond seriously invokes the human soul the soul that unhappy word has been the refuge of empty minds ever since the world began bertha and myself have just discussed a well-worn subject that of marriage but there is still a note of sadness in her voice i know what it means i know well enough what she has suffered ever since b s death in those vile barracks that was four years ago will she never be comforted but i respect her grief and she is grateful for this grateful and serene a classical character that looks upon life and death otherwise than the majority of this generation i explained to her the meaning of that passage from the symposium she said that she had always felt it and believed it to be even so then she said i can see that you have been reading you know how wrong it is and that the least reading may do you incalculable harm just now i promised faithfully not to do so again in proportion as i grow old i learn to love her gentle nature 
i have a presentiment that something will happen a presentiment so persistent as almost to amount to bodily discomfort pompeii april sixteen today's visit was more detailed but my head is yet too full to call the impressions into their proper perspective my brain is clouded there is one thing that cannot fail to strike all visitors to this town namely the lavishness of the romans in regard to their public edifices and the smallness of their private houses they knew what was required for the expansion of intimate family life for social intercourse as adapted to the climate for the fostering of genial kindly conversation bright courtyards and small rooms i they knew the old romans they and the orientals alone have grasped the secret these vast cheerless rooms of modern italy each with three or four doors they disquiet the spirit the softer emotions take flight and are dissipated in bleak empty space ah these italian palazzi interminable deserts of stuccoed ugliness fit abodes for suicides they are only another symptom of the disease from which the whole nation suffers megalomania one wanders about them oppressed with a sense of solitude solitude a propos bertha said a curious thing yesterday on our way home she wished to pay another visit to the museum for it seems to have a great attraction for her we also talked to the keeper francesco by name an old man with a kindly and intelligent face bertha looked for a long time at her favorite plaster cast i am sure her eyes were violet she said at last no i replied they were blue what made me say that i cannot think you seem to be pretty well acquainted with her she laughed whatever color they were they must have been lovely she is altogether lovely i said truth mirrored in beauty don't be sententious and yet you are right for it is strange to think that she is no artistic creation but an actual human being like ourselves precisely so i wish she could speak i am sure i should love her poor girl and so would you perhaps you would want to marry her perhaps she is the ideal you have been seeking she looks unhappy and no doubt she had her griefs like like all of us and then she broke off sadly it is a remarkable fact that women often make sensible suggestions when they least intend to do so why was i not born in those days marriage i thought again yes but not according to the hideous and debasing ceremonial of our days mine should be a flowery rite of joy and love an orgy of self-effacement the very negation of human love for what is human love but the apotheosis of self sordid and vile and its means and its end such considerations have hitherto prevented and i fear ever will prevent my viewing the question of marriage in a serious light and still it is a subject in its wider sense upon which i could become enthusiastic and emotional for i still take myself seriously indifference lack of faith lack of enthusiasm these be the real mortal sins these be the outward signs of a moral fatigue of the race these be the cankers that undermine the body social and politic a strong man should be capable of strong emotions pompeii april seventeen a reference to a few pages back shows me that the sentiments recorded in connection with the church of pompeii were harsh and intolerant and possibly unjust may nemesis that truly hellenic personification be ever before my mind's eye and let me have the romans broad-minded tolerance towards such creeds as are repugnant to my own sense of beauty and justice who could guess by what quaintly winding thought process this confession has found an outlet it is a wondrous voyage when one remounts the meanderings of that river thought that flows unceasingly day and night from birth to death 
what dim half-forgotten landscapes one traverses is this i one wonders who thought and felt thus and thus only yesterday only five minutes ago how i change well i was dreaming as i often do about the sea and then waking up into a kind of half-sleep there occurred to me that most characteristic of all eastern tales the tale of abdullah the merman and abdullah the landman there is a most pertinent moral attached to it worthy of the consideration of all thinking minds do you remember how the merman plunges into the deep and while the other is already blaming his thoughtlessness for allowing him to escape returns to his astonished friend with each hand full of priceless gems rubies and pearls and jacinths and glowing emeralds glowing emeralds how delicious and that truly oriental touch pardon me my brother i had no basket at hand else i would have filled it for you and then their voyage together in the humid element but here comes the defect of the story it is here that the oriental fantasy fails and this is also that part of the tale that my own imagination loves to fill up and the end of this strange friendship a religious dispute one of them suddenly distrusts his friend's common honesty merely because he does not share his own particular opinion upon a matter of dogma to such an extent are we blinded and such has been the fate of mankind ever since theology took morality under its wings bertha says i am obstinate and intolerant i reply perhaps but the blame does not rest with me our faults our virtues are distilled for us beforehand in the silent laboratory of the past a comfortable creed i have never wilfully hurt a living creature that is the first law i am a harmless lover of the spirit of beauty you will find her an elusive sprite that is what attracts me a mere idea i reply precisely the essence of true love is self-effacement i have fallen in love with a mere idea you women are too personal you have no veneration except for tangible objects that is why you are never really religious an idea pure and simple never interests you there must be a man standing behind it pompeii april eighteen with infinite trouble i persuaded bertha to visit the ruins once more this morning she would have liked to interpose a day and go for a drive somewhere else but i insisted and she came the fact is i am interested in certain things that will admit of little delay francesco the old keeper of the museum who actually sleeps there every night as guardian of the relics was standing at the door and nodded to us we looked at the girl again but i can see that bertha is growing tired of her that specimen said francesco edging up to us confidentially and observing our interest that signorina is considered one of the finest and most successfully reproduced it is as if she could speak molto ben riuscita ma molto professor fiorelli himself admires her most of his whole collection look you there was an artist signor rapino who made studies of the head for his great maria magdalena picture last year well he used to say that one could almost fall in love with her like that young man mentioned somewhere in lucian look at her pretty foot how they do love to hear themselves talk these italians said bertha the poor signorina is now imprisoned in a narrow cell ha ha i could see that francesco has no real sense of veneration or he would not have spoken in that fashion but lack of veneration is one of the chief characteristics of the italian people and a symptom of an exhausted race and yet when she was alive no doubt she loved to play with her friends and to walk on the corso and go to the theatre and to take pleasure like all of us observe her it is as if she breathed with life pare viva pare una cristiana look look i said suddenly to bertha for it really seemed as if a faint pink flush had for a moment suffused her ashy features bertha saw it too 
she said it was only the reflection from the red-brown panel of the door i envy francesco living near so much beauty we had a discussion about it in the evening and i pretended to believe that the girl was really alive and that i was going to marry her it was quite amusing to listen how bertha argued with me she has never learnt the true art of arguing nonsense was all she could find to say you may call it nonsense if you like i calmly replied but i know what i know this fortunate phrase you observe did not commit me to any opinion and i kept on repeating it until she became quite angry you repeat these things until you end in believing them i know what i know my dear nonsense call it nonsense then but i know what i know i do wish you would drive that stupid idea out of your head she said at last then you ought not to have put it there i replied it was yourself who proposed the marriage i kept thinking about this all last night pompeii april twenty my brain was too tired to write anything yesterday i have been thinking the whole time we hardly referred to the museum discussion again somehow or other it has become a sore subject between us or at least one to be avoided i think i weary her with my remarks and she tries to turn the current of my ideas to other matters at last she declared outright that the girl was nothing but a heap of ashes and that no not a heap i retorted seizing the long sought for opportunity remember form tyrannies over matter yes she admitted and love triumphs over death i added slowly yes and then she sighed i could guess her thoughts she was thinking of b but could she or anyone else in this world have guessed mine i had carefully prepared the sequence of these two remarks and i watched their effect upon her they went home i fear i am beginning to take a pleasure in annoying or at least terrifying her i never knew that there was so much capacity for mischief in my constitution bertha suggests that we should go back to naples soon she says i am becoming irritable it is really wrong of me to vex bertha after her untiring kindness and solicitude for me why must i do it whom have i in the world besides her who loves me as she does who no one is there indeed no one or perhaps april twenty one three a m i have just awoke from a divine dream i was standing on a beach all alone and gazing sadly eastwards and then someone came and whispered for a moment in my ear such truths things that i have never heard and yet knew how do you explain that and what were they i have forgotten and who was she ah how shall words mere words convey any sense of the utter bliss of those short moments imagine it if you can as for me if death be like this let me die eleven a m this is an adventurous expedition i crept in the gray of dawn before sunrise and immediately after my dream in the well-known direction bertha knows nothing so much the better this dusty hot unsheltered path with its scanty grass at the sides was invested in that early light with a dewy charm and redolent of a subtle fragrance exhaled by the rich volcanic soil i imagined myself some lover creeping to a secret meeting with his betrothed that is a pleasant illusion and can harm no one altogether considering how little harm i do i am sometimes surprised at the number of those who secretly bear me ill will the door was locked francesco was evidently still asleep at last he heard my knocking and appeared in his negligee how funny he looked have you ever skinned an owl no i have and that is what his appearance recalled to my mind your owl looks large and imposing in its ruffled feathers but when you have relieved him of his skin 
he is transformed into a meek and diminutive pink deformity with huge eyes and he looks so funny and francesco without his official uniform seemed to have shrunk into a mannequin that one might crush in one's hand indeed strange to say i had a curious inclination to throttle him then and there i know not why jealousy perhaps he let me in somewhat surprised at my early visit and i wandered round the apartment with an air of proprietorship as one who has entered his own house it is so pleasant to have a house of one's own the signore can make himself quite at home he said as he took my hat i should think so then i gazed at her long and intently but no she gave no sign of life not a sign not a sign she seemed to slumber is bertha right after all i must try to have a good rest this afternoon pompeii april twenty second the chivalrous adventure has been repeated and i am taking a great fancy to these little excursions but francesco was surprised and seemed suspicious so that i was obliged at first to wander round the room in a nonchalant manner looking at all the other things and only glancing at her coyly now and then like a bashful lover out of the corners of my eyes i believe he thinks i came to steal something and so i did i came to steal a heart he asks if he can be of any use to the signore i reply perhaps some other time this means i suppose that he wants money for his trouble i gave him some and his humour improved what weak creatures we are then observing the direction of my glance he remarked fiorelli is indeed a genius is it not so i told him that i did not care to hear about professor fiorelli un genio he repeated a man of taste i corrected un vero genio he went on shaking his old head with conviction francesco is becoming decidedly intrusive i do not wish to have his name mentioned francesco he is a talented archaeologist who is doing his duty basta talent he asked we call it who are you obstinate old man to pronounce on the enigma of genius your archaeologist is a clever man a basta un grande genio he repeated with the pig-headedness of his race yes you may well look at her signore she is as near perfection as art can make her a divinity pare la natura art nature divinity genius how you italians throw the words about the confusion in your head my dear francesco would drive me mad and i felt as if i could have murdered him i did indeed then seeing that he looked really scared i tried to laugh but i only half succeeded because at that moment a curious fancy entered my head or rather an intuitive conviction the conviction namely that if i could be allowed to touch her for one instant only she would feel my touch and perhaps ah god perhaps open her eyes with a look of thankfulness the thankfulness of a poor prisoner who has found one heart that throbs in sympathy with her own sad lot i hinted my desire to francesco in my most engaging and insinuating manner it is surprising how humble i made myself i felt i could do anything good or evil to obtain my wish that no doubt is the true lover's spirit e impossible caro signore he replied shrugging his shoulders and pointing to the cap of his official uniform with an expressive gesture then i must try to do without him pompeii april twenty six i have made a grievous and well-nigh irreparable mistake i have told bertha all all my whole heart the whole truth she shook her head obstinately and began arguing convincing me as she called it i told her that the time for discussions was now past alas the gulf the immeasurable gulf she even wishes to take me away she refused to understand me 
then i told her to suspend her judgment for the present at least no come and see for yourself no then i bowed and left the room assuredly i have done my best for all three parties concerned three parties yes there are now three of us the gulf but now i am no longer without hope of a comforter i can afford to lose bertha who even in her most expansive moments never really entered into my ideas and projects and what is the truth believe it or not here it is all yesterday i had a bad headache and lay in bed else i could have written down a good many things that occurred to me which i have forgotten by this time again and as i lay there came another dream to me wonderfully vivid was it indeed only a dream i was away far away in a calm purple twilight under the waves and a well-known voice pronounced these words save me she also told me that she was neither grecian nor roman but the daughter of an ocean king i always thought so and then and then she whispered in my ear her name the sweet name by which henceforth i am to know her Narinda. surely as i tried to explain afterwards to bertha the mere fact of my knowing and remembering this name proves that this was no idle dream like others i swear upon my honour that i have never in my life wilfully deceived others that i never invented this name indeed that i could not invent it if i tried but bertha would not listen the gulf i suppose it came to you she said at last it came to me i echoed do things happen without a cause it came to me do things come and go as they please and if so why did it not come to you instead then she pretended to cry one thing is quite certain and that is that if they all go on ill-treating me in this fashion i shall have to take to deceit and dissimulation however unwillingly i may do it listen now to what followed for all this was only a kind of prelude although so far as i am concerned i was not in the least surprised at what then occurred indeed i was thoroughly prepared for it i may confidently say that i knew it beforehand i awoke from this dream this vision this visitation this visit at about three o'clock in the morning that is my usual hour for waking i felt inspired dressing hastily i crept in the dark along the well-known path to francesco and woke him up the day was barely dawning and there hovered a yellow-brown mist over the mountains he lighted a candle for the interior of the museum was still almost dark now that i am quite calm again i can well understand why francesco should find me in a state of great excitement and ask me what on earth had brought me to him at that extraordinary hour of the night what indeed here was a dilemma i had never thought about that but i was master of the situation instantly the fact is i explained hastily inventing a ready lie we are leaving to-day this very morning and i wished to come once more and thank you for all the trouble you have taken i may not have time later on there is always so much to do at the last moment please accept this little remembrance from my sister and myself and i gave him a bloodstone ring which i happened to be wearing bloodstone the signore is too generous he cried sincerely moved and trying to kiss my hand how shall i ever thank you both but then he added with a laugh you must surely come and say good-bye to professor fiorelli's signorina you have taken so much interest in her she is not professor fiorelli's signorina she is mine as you wish excellenza he replied with a conciliatory smile so far good i thought give me a candle francesco and will you please look if the sun has not risen yet that was sly of me so he went out through the half-open door all unsuspecting and took a turn outside on the stones to sniff the morning air 
you see i remember the smallest incident i am something of an artist in my love of detail so far good and was it to be farewell was my devotion to go unrequited was my faith my love my hope to be shattered without one sign of recognition norinda norinda i prayed do you not remember and the tears fell ay they rained from my eyes i prayed with the faith that can move mountains with the ecstatic rapture of a saint i lost all shyness what cared i if the whole world were looking on how i prayed and how i gazed norinda my heart's desire my other self a sign and lo it happened even as i expected her cheeks colored and her curled lips quivered slightly ever so slightly like an anemone flower trembling in the breeze life for one short moment flowed through those delicate veins as for her eyes i gazed and methought i looked into another world the sun is rising signore and the weather promises come here quickly francesco i interrupted even then still ready to doubt the evidence of my own senses now look francesco and tell me honestly what do you see pare viva he began confused no wonder you are astonished i said calmly it was my turn to be calm now ah i knew it i knew it i knew it from the first day i saw her and in that moment my plan of action was decided a path of duty lies plain before me i left the building elated triumphant convinced then in the course of the morning i told bertha all i thought she would i was interrupted in my writing just now by whom by a visitor and do you know who she was ah i thought bertha would wish me joy but no she has been disappointed in her own love and i suppose it is natural enough she now wishes to spoil my pleasure natural but not agreeable the gulf i shall make no more confidences she proposes to go to naples to-morrow but i propose to propose something else new verone end of section four